All right. It's going to be back in fall, isn't it? I, I mean, I love summer. I don't like the anticipation of winter, but I just love fall. Fall is a good time of year, both outside and inside the church. People are excited again to be back, and that's good to have uh, many of you back now. Um, for those of you who haven't been around for a long time, this series has been going on for a long time already, but uh, we're working our way through the Sermon on the Mount, chunk by chunk, verse by verse, uh, through the entire thing. And, uh, and uh, so uh, we're, you know, for those of you who don't know, Sermon on the Mount, that's Jesus' big discipleship message to the, to the masses at the beginning of his uh, ministry, and it's Matthew chapters 5 and 6 and 7. We've already made our way through all of chapter 5. Uh, we're well into chapter 6 already. And so what we come to today is we come to uh, chapter 6, verses 5 to 15, and it's, it's the Lord's Prayer. And it's just a powerful, I've actually been looking forward to this section on the Lord's Prayer. I've been looking forward to it uh, since we started the series. In fact, it was part of a big motivator why I wanted to do the Sermon on the Mount in the first place, because I had wanted to preach on the Lord's Prayer. I think it's just such a wonderful, powerful passage of Scripture. And it's going to take, take us more than just, week. I, just this week. I mean, it's just, there's so much stuff in there. We're going to take a little, little bit of time. It'll be kind of a mini-series within the series on the Sermon on the Mount, but we're going to work our way through the Lord's Prayer and it's just precious stuff. So I'm just going to read the whole thing for you now, and then we will, uh, we'll start looking at it. Verse 5, chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus teaching uh, on prayer. And Jesus, our Lord, says this, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them for your Father. Oh, these, these words are just so precious. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Lord Jesus, precious words. I have so much hope. So much hope emanating from these words, how we can pray and who you are and what prayer is. And I just pray today, Jesus, my, my one request today is that you would fill us with hope that we can seek you in prayer. In your name we pray, amen. So go back to verses 5 and 6 and we'll start working our way through this. And... Uh, and I'll just read verses 5 and 6 to you again so you can remember where we are. But when you pray, Jesus says, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now we saw this two weeks ago uh, in, in a message on giving where Jesus also exhorts them to give in secret. And, and, and some Christians have taken that to weird places, this legalistic place where all giving and all good works have to be done in total 
anonymity, total secrecy. And we saw, and I, saw, I showed you a whole bunch of passages two weeks ago. I showed you that Jesus is not against all public giving, right? Uh, uh, we just saw that he was, he was hitting on a motive thing. Are you giving to show off? But there's a place for public giving. There's a place for private giving. Same thing in this passage here. Some people have taken this to a weird place where it's proud to pray publicly. And Jesus is not saying that all public praying is bad. In that case, we would have to stop praying in our services. We'd have to stop praying before mealtimes. We wouldn't be able to pray for people at the hospital. Jesus is not saying here that all public praying is bad. He's hitting on a problem, okay? In his day, one of the things the Pharisees and the religious leaders were doing in the synagogues and in the temple was they were using prayer as something to show off. And so they would stand in front of the people in the synagogue or they'd stand somewhere, you know, where they would stick out in the temple and they would pray these loud prayers with big words, oh God, and blah, 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 blah. And they would be kind of looking over their shoulder the whole time and they were trying to impress people to see that, hey, look at how spiritual and godly these guys are. And Jesus looks at that and he says, that's, that's disgusting. Okay, that's vile. That using prayer as something to show off, that's not what prayer is. He says, Prayer is about the secret place between you and the Father. It's not that all praying has to be private. I mean, I don't mind when my kids talk to me in public, okay? But I don't want them just to talk to me in public in order to show off to their friends. I don't want them to be like, oh, Father, how amazing you are. And yet, why aren't you looking at me, right? Like, why are you yelling, okay? And why do you never talk to me when I'm private? Like, this is about relationships. See, the whole thing is, prayer is about relationship. Notice how Jesus uses the word there, Father. Egan, if you could just underline the, those for me there. Father, he calls him Father. Now, as Christians, we kind of just take that for granted because we're just raised in, in a church, many of us. And so we just know to call God our Father, and we just call him that, and we take it for granted. But if you went around the world, and you were exposed to other religions in the world and the other, uh, you know, small g gods that people worship around the world. This is radical stuff, to be able to call God Father. Okay, and so prayer is this thing, it's about relationship. So Jesus is a little ticked off here at the religious leaders. He says they're using it to show off. That's gross. Prayer is about relationship. It's a child going to their dad. It's a child going to their father and praying. And so if your whole prayer life is just public, it's not that it's bad to pray in public. It's not that it's bad to pray in your cell group or at the prayer summit or here in the services or whatever or before meals. But if your whole prayer life is just public and there's no secret place with God where it's relationship, then you're, then you're missing it. Okay, and so there needs, to be a, there needs to be this secret place where we go to be with the Father and we're his kids and it's all about relationship. And then I want you to notice what he says next there, that last line. And even if you could underline that one there as well, I love that last line there. And this is where we're going to park for a whole bunch of time today. Before we even get to how do we pray, Jesus has so much to show us about how do we pray. But even before we get there, you just have to see the basis of who God is and the motivation for prayer. And Jesus says to us here, what a wonderful line. And your father, first of all, he's not this big judgmental condemning God. He's a father. And then he says this beautiful sentence that those who seek him in prayer, it's not going to be a waste of time. He says, and your father who sees in secret, those who pursue the father in prayer to have a relationship with him, he says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. It's not maybe. It's not some people who pray will be rewarded or sometimes when you pray, you're rewarded. He says that those who seek the father in prayer, the father sees them seeking. 
that you don't always feel like he sees, right? We, we, judge our, we judge our position with God and our relationship with God always by our feelings. Like, I, don't, I didn't feel God being close to me today, so I feel like he's distant. But the Father sees. Even when you don't feel like he sees, he sees those who pursue him in prayer. He always sees. He doesn't just see when you have, uh, you know, some prayer times are different than others. Some, you just, you know, there's every once in a while, you get these feelings, right? And you feel like God is close and it's wonderful. And you leave those prayer times and you think, wow, you know, you feel like you really please God in that prayer time. But what you don't realize is he sees in those times too when you're weak and when you don't want to pray. Isn't that true? And so he sees every time, he sees the weakest efforts where you went there and you were distracted, and, but you just, you pursued him anyway because you just, you know he's the father and you don't always feel it, you can't always concentrate, but he sees what you do in secret. He sees the weak attempt to pursue him, have a relationship with him, and he says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. It's a promise. It's an amazing promise. And again, I think, the re- I think the, one of the reasons for the promise, sometimes we don't need motivation. I mean, there's certain times of life for various reasons and you just feel motivation to prayer, you feel desperate, you feel love for him, and it's easy to pray, you don't even need motivation. But that's, you know, just a little chunk of our lives, most of our lives. Prayer, you know, let's just be honest. For much of our lives, prayer doesn't come naturally to us because it's, it's the flesh. It doesn't come naturally to the flesh to talk to God. And so Jesus gives us this motivation. There's a big chunk of your life when you're not actually always going to want to pray. But let me motivate you, he says. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. You know, some of you, you think, um, you, you look at us here on staff, okay? And, uh, and you just think, and, and you know, you guys just want to pray. You work in a church, you know, like Pastor Richard Thomas now. You think we're just praying all day long. We just want, and you know what? That is just so far from reality. Um, Tuesday mornings, you want, you want to hear, uh, I'm, I have lots of struggles with prayer, lots, but I'll for sure tell you one, there's one day of the week that I consistently really struggle with prayer, and that's Tuesday mornings, okay? For many of you, it might be Monday mornings, okay? But Tuesdays are my Monday, if you're following me, okay? Because Monday's my day off. Monday, I'm hanging out with family, we're having a blast, uh, good times, and I love my job here at church, I absolutely love it, but Tuesday mornings, the alarm goes off, the sun already, it's dark now at this time of year already, and you drag yourself out of bed, and it's like, oh, and I'll, I'll tell you, Tuesday mornings, I go down to my place, I have a little desk down there where I do my uh, devotions, my time with God, and, and uh, there's a couch behind me, and it calls my name on Tuesday mornings. <laughs> it says, and it doesn't tell me, come and sleep here, it, it's smarter than that, it says, just come and sit here and pray today, and it calls to me, and I don't always feel, it's true, Tuesday mornings, I get up, and you say, well, yeah, but you must, you're a pastor, and you preach about prayer, and you like prayer, and, and yeah, there's times when I, when I like prayer, but I'll tell you, there's a lot of mornings that are like Tuesday mornings, and literally, it's the hardest thing, because my flesh is just like your flesh. The flesh doesn't want to talk to God, and I have many Tuesday mornings and other mornings when I get up, and literally, the last thing I want to do is pray. And, it, and so there's lots of days like that for all of us. We're human. And for those days, Jesus gives us a motivation. Sometimes you're going to need motivation. Here's the thing you need to realize. He said, here's a promise. You can take it to the bank. The Father sees you pursuing him in secret, and he will reward you. Now, there's a million different ways. How does Jesus reward us? There's a million different ways that he rewards us. And I'm going to, we're going to just develop that now a little bit. 
But it's not necessarily just with fireworks and pizzazz and right, boom, right there, you get something. It's, and in fact, it's often not even stuff. But I want to share with you a couple of examples this morning. I want to show you that when you pursue the Father in prayer, even when you don't feel like it, that the Father will reward you when you come as a kid to the dad. When my kids come to me, whatever their feelings are, whatever the circumstances are, I'm their dad. My heart towards them, even sometimes when there needs to be discipline, even sometimes when I'm upset with something they've done, my heart towards them is always, I am for this kid. I love this kid. Those of you who are dads, you know exactly that feeling. How much more God to us. When my kids come to me, it's always a win. Now sometimes, you know, I'm not always giving them a toy or giving them, it's not, not that, but there's, they come out ahead. I always, my heart towards them is generosity. The Father will reward you. So let me share a couple of, a couple of examples. Um, we all have struggles. Let me, let, me, let me share. We all have different struggles. Every one of us, okay? Nobody here on staff. I just really, I, I try to preach this all the time too and we, we preach Bible characters. Bible characters too. It never helps any of us to put other people on a pedestal. Put Jesus on a pedestal, but the moment you put people on a pedestal, you're bound to be disappointed. And also it doesn't help you, it doesn't encourage you. The fact of the matter is all of us, many of us just want to put on strong masks all the time. We just want to pretend like we're all good. I don't want to do that in front of you guys. But I'll tell you one of my, I'll tell you one of my struggles. I'm just like you guys. We all have worries. We all have things we get mad about. We all have things we get upset about. I'll tell you one of the things I worry about. I have, I have a struggle with, with worry. Now not, people have different things that they worry about. I, for me, money has never been my worry. That's not my uh, struggle, Okay. I don't worry about generally stuff that happens here at church. I just feel like I can trust God on, on some of those things. But I'll tell you where I get worried. And with me, I worry about our kids. I, I worry about them. I don't usually worry about safety. In fact, I'm usually encouraging Charlie to do things that, that LaDawn and many others think are, are very stupid. But it's not so much the safety side. I, but what, what, if you want to know what burdens me, the things that keep me up sometimes at night and that make me worried, because whenever I think of the future and I wonder, like, will my kids love Jesus? And you say, oh, now that's a spiritual thing to worry about. Way to go, Chris. Okay, first of all, worry is never spiritual. Remember Chris Piaget's message last week from the Sermon on the Mount? Worry is a sin. Worry is always bondage. Whatever you're worried about, it's always bondage to worry. Even about your kid's future. Now, can we as parents desire for our kids to grow up to follow Jesus? You better believe it. But there's a fine line between I desire my kids to follow Jesus and I pray in faith and hope and I just have so much hope for what God's going to do and I pray for them to have that and I worry about it all the time and it's a burden in my life. And a lot of parents, you walk with Burry, with, with Burry. <laughs> a lot of parents walk with a burden of worry, Right? about your kid's future. Are they going to follow Jesus? And so that's, been, that, that's totally something that I've struggled with much. And I continue. It continues to be something that I have to walk with the Lord about. Well, back in spring, I'm having a devotion time with the Lord. I'm spending time with him, just regular devotions. I'm in Psalm 23 in my reading. You know, the Lord, that's a famous psalm, right? Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. It's that one. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. You know, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. As I'm reading Psalm 23, I just get this thought from God that, you know, I want to shepherd you, okay? Well, and you kind of go, oh, duh. I mean, everybody hears that when you read Psalm 23. That's not groundbreaking, okay? You read Psalm 23, you're going to hear God say, I want to shepherd you, all right? Um, but as I'm, as I'm just sitting there meditating, and I go, okay, God, yeah, that's great. I want you to shepherd me. That's, that's all fine. And then suddenly, I just could feel my heart that he was applying it to parenting. 
that he wanted to apply it to parenting. He didn't just want to shepherd me as, a, as, a, as an individual. He wanted to shepherd me as a parent and lead me in how I should parent my kids because one of the things that causes us to worry, those of you who are parents, and again, you apply this. If you're not a parent here today, we all have things we worry about. I'm just sharing mine. But one of the things that causes us to worry as parents is, you know, there's a hundred books out there, isn't it? Isn't there like, here's the book on this is what you have to do in order to discipline your kids or they're going to fall apart. And here's the book about how to have the sex talk with your kids at right the right time, write the right words, or they're going to fall apart. And here's the book about how to shepherd your kids' hearts so that they love, and, and it's all good stuff and, 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 and great stuff, but as, what can happen is in the back, subconsciously, there's this list of books of all the great ideas, and then you talk to other parents in the church, and they've got great ideas. And this one tells you about this thing they did with their kids to teach them work ethic, and this one shares this amazing idea of what they did to shepherd their kids' hearts to make them more loving, and this one shares a great idea of this and that. And eventually, it's just like overwhelm, and you almost feel like, Wow, God, I need like a PhD degree. I need eight, an 18-year plan for each of my kids, totally different, totally refined, right to that kid, individualized, in order to parent right, and you just start to condemn yourself, I'll never be able to pull it all off. There's just so much good stuff out there. How do I do it all? How do I remember it all? I'm going to fail as a parent. How am I going to raise these kids to love Jesus? I'm going to fall short. And this book says this, and that person had this idea, and I just, I can't apply it all to my life, and I'll never forget that spring, this last spring, and I'm reading Psalm 23, and I just felt like the Lord said, does a sheep worry about where they're going to eat tomorrow or next week or six months from now? I don't think so. (laughs) I don't talk to a lot of sheep, but I'm pretty sure they don't worry about that. No, you know, it's a, they're dumb sheep. That's what they are. They're dumb. They're actually quite dumb, okay? And they don't worry about it. They just, they're just munching the grass. And then the shepherd says, oh, it's time to go. And then it, as long as they're willing, then they just go. And I felt like the Lord was saying to me, I want to shepherd you in your parenting. You don't need to have an 18-year plan. You don't need to have a five-year plan. You don't need to have it all figured out. It's not that it's bad to read books, and sometimes God will use books. But I felt like he gave me a promise that if you just come to me every day and just rest in my presence, I'll just guide you day to day in your parenting and you don't have to think so far ahead. Well, right there I was like, now, I wish I could say, you know, oh, totally heal the worry for my kids, right there in one prayer time. You know what? It doesn't usually happen that way. I still pick it up sometimes. But it was a huge healing moment for me. God began to lift this thing of worry. Well, since then, I found God in prayer, as I see him in prayer, I have found him to be extremely faithful in this promise. In fact, he's been so faithful to that promise since spring, I've had to start a new section in my journal called Random Amazing Ideas God Has Given Me in Prayer That I Wasn't Even Asking Him About. Okay? Let me, share, let me just share a couple of examples. I just want to share a couple of examples. Okay? Because you've got to see this. Because Jesus said the Father will reward you. There's some days you get up and you don't want to pray. And you don't feel like praying. And you're too busy to pray. Really, is it such a big deal if I miss my prayer time today? Is it really a big deal if I don't pray this week? Is it? And there, you just have days where you're too busy and you're too whatever and you don't want to go there. But Jesus says, the Father will reward you. Well, what does that reward look like? Well, let me show you part of how that looks like. Because the Father, he's the shepherd. And he wants to lead you. And there's all kinds of things you don't know that he can show you when you're with him in prayer. And so uh, this, this, this uh, summer, our, our, our oldest two, Joy and Charlie, Charlie's five, Joy's eight, and all their cousins and friends have been getting new bikes the last year and, and this year. Like 
gear bikes. Okay, we're at that stage, right? So our kids aren't driving gear bikes yet. And they're still driving the old style where you've got to press backward on the, on the pedals to brake. And, and Charlie's always doing blackies and, and stuff like that on the driveway. And uh, so they're still on the little kid, they call them little, ki the little kid bikes, right? When you have gears and it's a big kid bike, okay? And so they came to us this year and they're like, they, they really want gear bikes. Everybody else has gear bikes. And of course, we want them to have gear bikes too because then they can go faster on the, on the family bike rides and farther. And, uh, and so we just look at each other, well, sure. I mean, it's no-brainer, yeah. Get, it's that time, you're old enough. Okay, fine. We'll, we'll get you gear bikes. Well, next morning I'm praying, okay? And I'm not praying about the bikes, by the way. People think we do a listening prayer about everything. No. I just decided we're going to bring, me and Ladon decided, let's buy bikes. It's a great thing to buy bikes. It's not bad to buy your kids bikes when they need a bike. No problem. Would have been totally fine if we had done it. And I'm not praying about it the next morning. I'm not going, oh, hmm. Should we buy them bikes? That's not how prayer works. At least that's not how I work, okay? I'm just spending time being thankful with the Lord. I'm just spending time being, being with Him. And we're going to talk more about that in the coming weeks in the Lord's Prayer. How the core of what do you do in prayer? The core is you're just thankful. You're just there worshiping him for who he is and he just builds up the hope and the joy in you for the day. You're not even asking him stuff because he knows what you need. Okay, I'm not saying that you don't ask him for stuff. We'll get into that too. Lots of times you just, but my point is the core of prayer is thanksgiving and worship and so much hope. And so I was just spending time with him and I'm just not thinking about the bikes at all. That's it's not even an issue. We're just gonna go buy them bikes. And I'm just sitting there worshiping the Lord and being thankful and all of a sudden, I, this, this thought comes into my head. It's four words. This is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. And right in that moment, I wasn't even thinking about the bikes. I'm just worshiping the Lord. All of a sudden, this is an opportunity. All of a sudden, it's, I felt like my, my vision, I had just been seeing it as just go get them the bikes. And that one second, I felt like my vision went so much bigger. And I just, had, I started scribbling down stuff in my journal. And it's not like God saying, thus saith the Lord. It's just thoughts are just, all of a sudden, thoughts are there. It's not till later, you know, it's not till later that, you know, you figure, I think that was God. You see it in the fruit. But these thoughts are just there. I'm scribbling down thoughts. It's, this is an opportunity for our kids to learn to wait for something they really want. This is an opportunity for them to take their desire for a bike and channel that into work ethic. This is an opportunity for us to teach our kids about gratitude. Now, would it be fine for us to go and just buy them a bike? Sure, totally. But just in this prayer time, out of the blue, I'm not even thinking about it. I'm not even thinking bikes. I'm not thinking about the kids. I'm just spending time. And all of a sudden, Jesus is right there shepherding. Then parenting ideas are flowing. And so I go and I talk to LaDawn. We make up this chart. It's got 60 check marks on it. Once you get 60 check marks, we cut, a pieces of, uh, uh, we cut the, these pictures of bikes up into 12 pieces. Every time they got five check marks, they got to glue a piece of the bike together. Once they had a picture of the whole bike, then, then we would go, go and get them their bike. And in order to get the check marks, they would, you know, clean the bathroom, the whole thing, like not in, and do a good job, okay? And sweep out the, the garage and sweep out the entryway. And for Charlie, was doing lots of extra reading. And because uh, he's, just, he's just learning the reading thing right now. He's just, and he's getting real good. And so we just had, this is an opportunity. And I talked to it on, and amazing idea. We, so we started doing it with them. And it's just awesome. This, this last week now, took him two months. Charlie got his bike this last week, okay? I mean, you should see him. I mean, he's excited just as a general rule. Okay, but he just about popped his cork this week. I mean, he just about blew, poof, I mean, just excitement to the, to the, to the max, okay? Um, and, but it was awesome, and they learned, and Joy will probably have hers by tomorrow. She's got one more check, so, so tomorrow I'm going to have her, uh, you know, vacuum the house and mow the lawn and, and do all that sort of stuff, and, <laughs> and uh, I'm just going to sit in an easy chair. She earns her last check. No, I'm just kidding, but, um, 
But it's been this amazing thing, and the kids have all summer long, they've been working for a couple of months, and they've been, they've been working, and they've been learning to work with a good attitude, and Charlie's reading has just gone through the roof now in summer, and it's just been amazing. And you go, oh, Chris, what amazing ideas you have for parenting. I'll never be able to parent like that. And that's, ex- that's exactly my, my point in this story, is I didn't have that idea. I was just going to go get them the bikes, and would it be bad? I'm not even saying, this is not, you know, you need to go and do this. This was the right, I'm not even saying we'll ever do this again. But in the right moment, in the right time, it was just perfect for our family. I had this little vision. All I could see was bikes. Just go get them bikes. And God had this bigger vision that maybe there's more to bikes than bikes. There's this huge thing. We can build character. We can build family. We can build, we can have this family adventure together. And I go, what would have happened if I had been too busy that week for prayer? Because we're just going to go in a couple days and just go and get the bikes. What would have happened if I had been too busy, too distracted for prayer? Would the family have fallen apart? No, we would have gotten the bikes. It would have been fine. Things would have fallen apart. But we would have missed this huge opportunity. It's turned into this way bigger thing. And Jesus says, your father who sees in secret will reward you. See, we don't even know what we don't know. That's the thing. We don't even know what we don't know. It's not, you know, half this stuff God says to me, it's not stuff I even asked him about because I don't even ask the right questions. I didn't even, I wasn't even asking him about the bikes because I couldn't see that there could be a bigger adventure to have there. And it's the thing, when you begin to understand who God is, you realize that prayer is not a duty. In, 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 in Matthew 6 here, Jesus is not telling us you've got to pray because God is this harsh disciplinarian and he expects discipline and you do it, do it, do it because you have to in order to be spiritual. No. When you realize who God is, you realize prayer is an opportunity, not a duty. Think about this. Think about this. Who is God? Oh, I could go on and on and on. Let's talk about two things God is. He's the all-knowing, all-powerful creator of the universe. All-knowing means he knows everything. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's the creator of the universe. You know what that means? He's all-knowing. What does that mean? First of all, it means that he understands even the inner workings of your teenager's brain. He knows how that thing is put together. He knows the inner workings of your marriage and the complexities of your spouse and where they're coming from and you're coming from and all the different things and why the thing isn't quite clicking. And he knows the future. He knows every single thing that's ever going to happen. And he knows leadership and business. He knows, he's all-knowing. He knows everything. And he's your father, which means he wants to tell you. Can you imagine if we invited, let's say there was a person out there that knew every single thing that was going to happen in the future and knew every single thing you needed to do in order to be a perfect parent and have a great marriage. Let's say we invited this person to our church for a, for a weekend and we were slotting out an hour. You can spend an hour with this person this weekend and we'll just put a sign up here. You guys would flock to sign up, would you not? Would you not flock? If we had a person come to Southland that knows everything that's ever going to happen, and he knows exactly what you need to do in your business. He knows exactly what you need to do in your parenting to fix that, this or that. He knows exactly what you need to do in your marriage to bring it to the next level. And if we had that person coming here for a whole weekend, we would, have, we would, we would book him solid. 
And you could sign up for an hour to talk to him and ask him anything you like. We would book that man solid. And the incredible thing is, God. And you can talk to him every day, anytime you want. And he promises, he says, in fact, I'm not this distant God. I'm Father, I want you to call me Dad. And you can come to me and you can talk to him. And he is all-knowing and he loves you. And you could spend an hour with him anytime and he will gladly speak to you. And then, but I'm too busy. I'm too busy. We're, 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 too busy for, we're too busy for that. See, I used to have this thing. I used to think, we have this idea that when I miss out on prayer, it's like God's the one who's hurt. Well, and I think there's an element there. I mean, God, we can, we can grieve God. There's not even a question. But much of my life, I carry around this picture, kind of subconscious picture, that if I missed prayer, it was like God was upset. Oh, Christmas prayer again. Oh, that Christmas prayer again. Like it just, no. When I miss time with the Father who knows all things, I lose. God doesn't lose. God doesn't go, oh, needed some advice from Chris today. (laughs) Needed his help with that passage. God doesn't lose when I miss. I lose. Can you imagine missing that opportunity if we had a person come here that knew everything that was ever going to happen and he wanted to help you with everything in your life and imagine if you were too busy to meet with him that you would drop everything to talk to that person. And yet we just go through lives too busy, too worldly, too I don't care, too tired to talk to God who is our Father. And like I said, it's, we don't even know what we don't know. That's the thing about prayer. My Father will reward you. We don't even know what questions we should be asking if you would just spend time with Him. Another example. Another example. We, and by, we are so far from having to get out of our home. I would invite you over, but I don't want to. But <laughs> if you could just be a fly on the wall to see in our house. I mean, it's just so normal. There's problems. There's fights. Um, me and the Don had a fight this last week. Oh. I did something stupid. We won't go there. That'll be another illustration for another time. Okay. I have a very normal, okay, very, very normal family. But it's about Jesus. He says, those who go to the Father in secret, he will reward them. I'm spending time this, this, uh, this summer again. I'm just in my devotions one day. And I'm not asking him anything. Again, I'm just being thankful. One of the things that's often in the back of my head, and it wasn't during this devotion time, but just one of the things that's just generally there is, is as a parent, LaDon and I, we've talked about it many times, we're very concerned to uh, teach our kids work ethic. A lot of parents today, even Christian parents, lots of people don't even think about work ethic. That's like one of the most important things you can teach your kids. And they won't just learn it automatically. This is something as our kids are getting older, we often talk about, you know, it's difficult. When I was growing up, we literally had a paper route that was like 400 and some papers big. Like that's what my parents, I, I, I grew up getting up at five in the morning and, and doing papers, winter, summer, spring, six days a week for two, two and a half hours to start the day. Okay, that was just what we did. And, uh, or however long it was, a couple hours. 
And, uh, but what do we do for our kids? I don't, I don't know. I don't have, so it's just this thing that's always there. How do we teach our kids work ethic? One day I'm in my devotions this summer. Remember, he's a shepherd. You go to him every day. He just leads you. The Father will reward you. You don't even know what you're going to get rewarded with because he knows all things and you know almost nothing. So you don't even know how, what to ask him, but if you just go to him, he leads you in the right time, in the right moment, in the right ways. So I'm spending time with him again the one day and I'm just worshiping him. I'm just being thankful. That is the core. You know the core. Again, we're going to go into more of this as we go through this, through this Lord's Prayer thing in the next few weeks, but the core. What am I doing in prayer? Just thank him and love him. Just meditate on his word. So that's all I'm doing. It's just very simple. It's not complicated. And I'm not thinking about work ethic. And all of a sudden, as I'm worshiping, I'm thanking him the one day. All of a sudden, my heart is thinking work ethic and joy. Joy is eight. And all of a sudden, I'm just, I can't stop thinking joy and work ethic. And at first, I'm trying to push it out of my head because I think it's a distraction. You ever been there? Because I'm in the Thanksgiving part of my devos right now. So that's what I'm doing. Get out, devil thought, work ethic and joy. Out. <laughs> right? And so you try to, stop thinking about that, I'm doing this right now. And all of a sudden, oh, maybe God's trying to speak to me, right? So I just start writing. Again, I don't know. Again, I'm not into this, thus says the Lord. You know, I find out almost everything God speaks to me. I find out, I think it's probably him, and then it's later I find out. Because you see it in the fruit. That's why I'm not into thus says the Lord. God said. I got so much spiritual wax in my ears, half the time I'm hearing it all wrong. But I also have these ideas and I'm just scribbling them. Late now, I, when I tell the story, I talk about it as being God's ideas. In the moment, I'm just having ideas. And all of a sudden, it's just so clear to me. She's, she's eight years old now and all of a sudden, this morning, in the middle of prayer, I'm not even asking because I don't know what I don't know. I don't even know to ask the question. But all of a sudden, I just, I see this, this thing. I get this question. What, what's your goal for Joy? Ten years from now, she's 18. What's your goal for her when you send her off? What do you want? Well, there's a lot that goes into it, but right away, thoughts come to mind. Like when, when she's 18, I, I want her to know how to work. I want her to know how to serve in the home. I want her to know how to cook for herself and take care of herself and be responsible. So right away, I'm, just, I'm writing this stuff down, writing this stuff down. And then I get this thought, well, well it's time to start now. Well, how do, how, do I, how do I start now? And we're doing other chores and different things. And I get this awesome this thought. I don't know where one day a week, that's her night to cook supper for the family. She can, little one can teach her a basic set of meals. And she can learn that you don't just play, 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 come and sit down at supper. There's actually a family thing going here. We all help and we all serve. I'm writing this down. And you can just feel it. It's like, oh, this sounds like a great idea. I said to the Lord, well, Lord, if this is you, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this is me or if this is you. If this is you, I just pray that then LaDawn is going to click with her too. So a couple days later, me and LaDawn are talking. I said to her, I got this idea. I didn't tell her God told me. What's all that about? Manipulation. I didn't tell her God told me this. I said, I had this idea. Because if it was God, he's going to work it in her too. I don't need to tell her it was him. I said, I just had this idea. What do you think of this? What if we made, you know, one night of the week? That's Joy's night. And she gets to pick. Because with responsibility comes authority. She gets to pick what meals she's learning to cook. She gets to pick what meals she's cooking, and then you teach her how to make these meals, and the goal is in the next year is that she's going to learn how to do this all by herself. She can just pull off a meal by herself and work hard, and then as she gets older, we can do it more and more, and in a couple of years, we could have her being a real contributing member of the family, and, she's, and, and the moment I said it, you could just see LaDawn's eyes. It just clicked in. 
It was just a God thing. It was just right time, right moment, right idea. She's like, totally, Wednesday nights, boom. And, and, so, and so we started this thing. And, and it's been amazing. I love the fact that Joy gets to pick. This last Wednesday, she, she, uh, she made waffles, and I'm going, oh, hallelujah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it's amazing with the God thing. See, we always just see small, but when it's a God idea, it's always so much bigger. Because then what we've realized as we've started to implement this is, there's actually way more here than just work ethic. Because what's, what's happened is Joy has grabbed onto this thing with both hands. We've actually seen her heart. There's been a, there's been a shift in the relationship. I mean, they always had a good relationship, but Lenon and Joy, their relationship doing this together and Joy passing this on to Lenon and them doing this together on Wednesday nights has actually taken their relationship to a whole new level. Joy, I said to Lenon the other day, I said, she's so much more lovey recently. And LaDawn attributed, she said, part of it has to do with those Wednesday nights. Her heart's just opening up, and her and, her and LaDawn are just connecting at this deep level, and she's learning to work and have joy while she works and serve in a family, and she gets to be with mom. It's like this special time together, and it's like this huge thing, and you go, oh, Chris, you know, you have these amazing ideas. You know, we'll never be able to parent. Again, that's the whole, that's the whole point of the story. It wasn't my idea. I wasn't thinking that. I wasn't even asking that. I didn't even know to ask. I know work ethic is important, but how do you start and where do you go and what are the next steps? No idea. And what's the right thing for you to do in your family? So you're just writing down these, these ideas. I'm just going to just implement. Boom, the bike thing. Boom, the cooking thing. I'm just going to implement. No, but no, 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 no. This isn't just parenting and it just works everywhere all the time. Why this works is as you pursue the Father in prayer, He leads you on a path that he has for you. And he says, those who seek him in prayer, the Father will reward you. He will reward you. So what would have happened had I not been praying? Again, does the family fall apart? Just like with the bike thing, if we hadn't done the bike idea, does the family fall apart? No. It's fine. But we would have missed out on this bigger thing. We would have missed out on relationships going to a whole new level. Joy exploding in our kids' hearts. Character being developed. We would have missed out on this whole, these whole adventures. We would have missed out. And the thing is, we wouldn't even know it. That's the sad thing about prayerlessness. You think, my life's fine. <laughs> Too bad. God actually has a plan that's awesome. Not just fine. You don't even, because we don't even know what we don't know. And it's only in the Father's presence that he knows everything, and you pursue him. Dad, I'm here to seek you again. And it's in that place he knows all things, and he opens up the treasures of his heart, and he opens up your heart, and he shows you a bigger vision. I wonder how many of us, the marriage is fine. The kids are fine. Business is fine. Everything's fine, fine, fine. But we're too busy for prayer. We're too busy to seek a relationship with the Father. How much are we missing out on in our marriages? How much are we missing out on in our businesses? I don't have time to do that. You don't have time, period, then. You're missing out on the greatest opportunity ever that Jesus has made a way for us into the Father's presence that we can talk to him and, in a sense, pick his brain. Why do we miss? Too busy? Too worldly, too lazy, too undisciplined, just don't feel like it, too tired. 
we miss because of that? I mean, I don't know all things how it's going to be in heaven. Certainly not. Not even close. I know some things. The Bible tells us some things. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be real. We've talked about that in the heaven series. But you know, I have something I, years ago, I remember talking to a guy about this. We had this conversation. It's stuck with me ever since. Imagine this. Imagine you get to heaven at the end of your life and you stand before Jesus and that whole thing happens. And after, Jesus says, now I want to show you something. So he takes you to this door, you and Jesus, and he opens this door. And it's a huge room, huge room. It's got shelves, and it's got all kinds of, it's got all kinds of gifts. Just the whole room is filled with gifts. Small gifts, big gifts, tender, precious moments, you know, joy-filled energy. Some are powerful, some are soft. Kingdom moments, changed lives, a lot of people in there. And it, it's just all these gifts, it's, it's amazing. And it's not just stuff, it's not just cars and houses and all that, but there's some of that in there too because he likes to give that too. He takes care of us. It's just a room full of gifts. It's mostly a lot of memories, a lot of changed lives. Families put together and and he shows you this room. He opens the door. He shows you this room. You look at it. Wow. Then you realize you don't recognize any of it. Huh. You say to Jesus, I don't, and it's all cool. It's memories. It's from my life. It's people from my life. It's changed stuff. It's family. It's character. It's kingdom opportunities and adventures we had together, except that I never, I never had any of these adventures. I don't recognize any of this. And then Jesus looks at you and, he's, and it's sad. And he says, these are the gifts the Father wanted to give you. These are the gifts the Father planned to give you, was excited to give you. But you didn't pursue and come to the Father. See, Jesus said, those who go to him in prayer, he sees those in secret, and he rewards them. The flip side of that is, if you, if you don't pursue a relationship with him in prayer, and you don't spend time with him, you miss out on those rewards. And you turn back to look into the room, the tears streaming down your face. As you realize, I was too busy for this? I chased what instead of these? I chased worldly treasures. I chased success. And even though all those things are finding of themselves, but I chased those instead of these. And all the stuff you got in this world turns to ashes in your mouth. I was too busy to go and sit on the Father's lap and just be with Him. And so He didn't open up His treasures to me. And I missed this memory. And I missed this miracle in my family. And I miss my family blossoming and bearing this fruit. And I miss this happening here. And I missed it all because I was too busy to be with the Father. The Father who sees in secret will reward you. You will miss out on things if you are too busy for the Father. And we could tell stories. Oh, we could tell story after story after story. We all know people. See, worldly treasures do have a pull to them. There's no question. If they didn't have a pull, we wouldn't be tempted by them. 
Worldly pleasures do give a pleasure. They do give a rush, not just for a moment. Some of them will give a rush for 20 or 30 years. I mean, I know people who have climbed Mount Success. Mount Success can give you a rush for a number of years. It's not just over just like that. I've known people 15 years, 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, and they just, they success, and everybody, their self-worth is built up because everybody knows how amazing they are. What a leader, what a business. Look how much money, and they're enjoying it. And it's a rush to do what you're good at. And so they just pursue, and they go up Mount Success, and then 20 years, 30 years down the road, their kids grow up, and the kids either reject God entirely or reject the family, and there's brokenness and divorce. And suddenly, all of that success, decades of success, turns to ashes in the mouth when you realize what's actually important. And all the stuff that you were, face, were, were chasing was a facade for the things that really matter for eternity, but you were too busy to pursue the Father in prayer. The one who loves you and wants to speak to you and wants to shepherd you. Now, I want to finish with this. So you're going, oh, let me out of here. I just want to pray. <laughs> oh, Monday morning. Woo-hoo-hoo. We're going into prayer, and it's just going to be fireworks. You're just going to expect more. You're going to get up and just open up your Bible and start to pray, and poof, your life is radically changed. And what, a, you know, what an encouragement from Jesus. He's going to know. <laughs> See, the world gives with fireworks. God's gifts work based on pursuit. He gives you a gift, and at first it looks like nothing. It's more like a seed. And as you pursue him, that seed takes root, and over time it grows, and eventually it bears fruit. And then one day you go, this is amazing what God has done. But you don't even recognize it at first. I mean, think about this. The best gift God ever gave to the world came in what package? A little baby born to a poor family in a poor village in a barn. That was the best gift God ever gave to the world. And the rest of the world went, so what? Who cares? Nobody even notices, you know, except for a few shepherds and the angels talked to a few people and Herod's a bit paranoid about it. But the rest of the world doesn't even notice because that's how God gives. The devil gives with fireworks, drags you in that way. But Jesus isn't looking to sell you on fireworks. He's looking for people who are committed to following him for life, who are looking to be his kids. And so he gives in, a, gives in a different package. It's not, it's a life of pursuit. And as you, you know, farmers, let's talk about farmers. I know almost nothing about farming. So forgive me for that in advance, okay? But let's imagine that farmers, you know, a farmer goes out to cultivate his field in spring. And I know, okay, does he cultivate in fall, spring? It really doesn't matter for the purpose of the illustration, okay? So don't, we're, don't worry about it. <laughs> Let's imagine a farmer goes out and he cultivates his, begins to cultivate his fields in the spring. He runs a few rows. He works for a couple hours. Comes in and says to his wife, don't have a harvest yet. Wow. Idiot, right? <laughs> Moron. You don't go out and cultivate the field a couple times, now you have a harvest? You cultivate that field and you work it and then you plant the seeds and then mumbo-jumbo, lots of stuff is happening there. (laughs) (laughs) 
They're taking root. You're nurturing the plants, water, sun, blah, blah, blah. Whole season, fruit, harvest. But the farmer does not go out to work every day and expect to bring home a harvest. He's looking ahead to the harvest. So he works in the wet of spring and he works in the heat of summer because he's looking forward to a harvest for his efforts. It's the same with prayer. You don't go to prayer and be like, well, I didn't have fireworks today. It's over. This is why Jesus said your Father will reward you. He wants you to look ahead. A life lived in pursuit of God, spending time listening to Him, being with Him, worshiping Him. Jesus says it will produce fruit. But as you pray, the first thing that's happening is just your heart's getting cultivated. And if you give up after a week or two, all you got is a cultivated field. You don't have a harvest. But as you pursue the Lord over time, your heart's getting cultivated. Now he begins to plant seeds. If you quit there, all you've got is seeds. But as you continue to pursue him, because he's your father and I'm your kid, and I want to I be like you, and I love you, and I thank you, and over time, those seeds take root because you have a relationship with him through prayer. And as you spend time with him, this thing produces a harvest, and then at some point, people look at that life and they go, that's a God life. Pastor Ray and Fran, my parents. Great example of this. You go back 30 years ago, who in this world would want to trade with them? In terms of worldly success, nothing. Dad left a promising career in flying in order to go into ministry. 30 years ago, he starts a church from scratch in Woodstock, Ontario. That church never got above 100 people. In terms of worldly success, we were poor. I mean, I got, we got stories, yay big. I remember as a kid sitting up in bed, hearing mom and dad talk, there was nothing in the fridge but ketchup, okay? Worldly success, Zippo. Who wants to trade with that? They were set back years from people their age in terms of finances still to this day because of years of doing this, what in the world is nothing. And all why? Because in his 20s, dad gets called by God and he just feels like, I want to live a life of hearing him and having a relationship with him. And a whole life built on prayer. I remember from my earliest age, from Kitchener, Waterloo, I remember we had railroad tracks behind our house. I remember that we all knew, and we would see him sometimes out there early in the morning. Dad was walking on railroad tracks, spending time with the father. All of our basements, growing up in the different homes we lived as we grew up, always knew, you know, the carpet's going to be a little warm, worn there because dad's going to be pacing in the basement, spending time with the father. And you look, well, where's the reward of that? Jesus said, your father in heaven will reward you. And you look for 30 years, and it's like, hmm, Nobody wants to trade with that life. But you fast forward 30 years. And of course, it's always going to look different. It's not going to always look like our family looks like. It's going to look totally different. There's pain in that. There's been lots of pain in their journey too. There's lots of pain still now. It doesn't always work out the way we want it. But you look at the fruit of a life lived in prayer, following the Lord. And you look today, they've got a whole bunch of kids all love Jesus, following Jesus, serving together, love each other. A whole bunch of grandkids growing up to love Jesus too. And you go, oh. Again, it doesn't always turn out exactly that way. It's not about one family to be like this, and there's other factors and all kinds of stuff. But the point is, that's, Jesus said, the Father will reward you. Do we believe it? That's the question. I'm going to skip ahead of those verses, a couple verses there, because we're going to sing the Lord's Prayer in just a moment. But I want to leave you with a weekly challenge, two things. For some of us, we just need to start praying. It's enough. You've been here for years. You've been hearing about prayer. You've been dabbling in the shallows with God. 
at some point something has to rise up in your will. It's time for me to start praying. It's time for me to go into the deep end with God the Father. It's time for me to stop hearing about God. It's time for me to go and begin experiencing Him for myself and getting my own stories with God. Some of you, you're past that already. Lots of you here already, you have a walk with the Father. I want to change this week. I want us to begin practicing to change the perspective we come to prayer with. I want to change. When you go to prayer, I want you to come with hope and faith and expectation. So this is what I want to challenge you to do this week. Every day when you come to prayer, before you start your prayer time, I invite you to close your eyes before you start praying. And I want you just to picture. Many of us just have this subconscious picture of God. He's distant. He doesn't hear. You have to change that when you pray. When you get up and you go to prayer and you don't feel like praying, before you start, you just close your eyes. You picture God as your Father in heaven and he's welcoming you to come and talk. He's welcoming you to come. He has a big smile on his face. You say, that sounds kind of new agey. I'm imagining things. Oh, it's just in the Bible. Now, don't go, we don't, no. Weird. I'm just saying, Jesus tells us to call him our Father. So when you go to prayer, get a picture in your head that he's a father and he's welcoming you to come to him and pray. And then I encourage you to say out loud these things. I've started to do this in my prayer times. Just say it out loud at the beginning of your prayer time. Just say in faith, thank you, Father, that you welcome me into your presence today. Thank you for promising to reward me for coming here to prayer. Pray. I'm looking forward to what you're going to do. I just start telling God that stuff now when I go to prayer. Because I just know he is. I'm not going to prayer. I'm going to prayer because he promised a reward. He loves me. He wants me there. Remind yourself of that in prayer. Picture him as your father inviting you in and then declare to him before you start praying, thank you that you welcome me here. Thank you for what you're going to do in my life. Thank you. And begin to change. When we come to prayer, we've got to come to prayer with hope. We've got to come to prayer with faith and expectation. I want you to say, I'm going to pray for you after that. The, the worship is actually going to do a special for us on the Lord's Prayer. But I want you just to stand. I just want to pray for you now. I want you to just stand. I want to just pray for you on this thing of prayer. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit's going to do a work in your life because prayer is an opportunity, not a duty. Prayer is not a duty. What an opportunity we have. Father, we start with confession. I start with confession. Jesus, you know our flesh, so sinful. We actually, it's sad, but we admit it, we don't feel like praying lots of the time. Oh, how pathetic is that, Lord? But you accept us in that patheticness. Thank you. Father, we're done with viewing prayer as a duty. What an opportunity that you want us to come to you and that you promise to reward us. I'm praying that something's going to rise up here in the Spirit, Lord Jesus, here in this church that you are planting seeds right now, not of a one-time, woohoo! I'm going to pray for one week, but that you're planting seeds right now in hearts that we are going to become a church that walks with you in prayer, a church that goes deep with you, a church that listens to your voice, a church that loves to be with you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do. Thank you that you will reward us Thank you for your promises. Thank you that we can call you Father. In your name we pray. Amen.